Hi, this is Pastor Joshua Morocco, and you are listening to our King's Central Podcast. I hope you get encouraged. I hope the Word of God brings transformation to your life and empowers you. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the Word. I think we got some happy people that love being in church on a Wednesday night. I'm just, you guys, you guys know how to fill a room. You know what I mean? With the joy of the Lord, and it is wonderful. Hey, I got some good news here. Ushers, ushers. I need your help. I want to make sure. I know you guys are working hard. I know you're working hard tonight. But I got to make sure that every single person has one of these keychains. We are starting a brand new series tonight called The Contender. Come on, I got any fighters in the house. You know what I'm talking about? Like, anybody here, you're the type of person that you like, you're looking for the fight. You know what I mean? I'm going to pick a fight. I'm going to pick a fight. Where are you going? I'm going to pick a fight. Right? And uh, some of you, man, you, you, you run from fights whenever you possibly can. We're starting a series called The Contender, and what we're going to be focusing on are four different battles that Jesus himself fought. How many of you guys know that Jesus fought some battles? None of us are impervious to the battle. None of us are impervious to having to fight and contend for the victory, for the destiny that God's given us. And so we're going to take a look at the four different battles that Jesus fought, and uh, we're going to be calling it The Contender, I'm gonna, and we're going to be having a lot of fun, but... Um, I'm giving everybody one of these keychains, and I want it to do one of two things this week. I want you guys to do one of two things. Either put this keychain on your keys or with your keys. Don't hit yourself with it. I, I did the other day. I was like, oh, Jesus, come on, no, I wanted to. Anyways, but put this on your keychain as a reminder of the victory that God's given you. All right, you're going to put this on your keychain as a reminder of the victory God's given you. But I also want you to do this. That when you see somebody, see what we're trying to develop, even in the midst of COVID, we're trying to develop a invite culture. Now, they may not be able to come to church in person, but they can do drive-through. Drive-through, let me hear you. There you go, see? They can come to drive-through or they can watch online. We have so many different opportunities for them to join and get encouraged. But if you see somebody, I had somebody, I had somebody on Sunday morning. I spoke this message on Oahu Sunday morning because we're all tied together. Sunday night they came back and they said, Pastor, uh, can I have another keychain? I said, yeah, what happened to yours? Said, I gave it away. I invited somebody to church to come to the Contender Series. And so use it also as an invite. You can take this and say, hey, I want you, because people are looking at me, oh, man, that's cool. Say, you know what? Why don't you come and uh, come to our Contender Series? And if you do that, guess what? I'll get you another one, okay? So <clears throat> we got a lot of them, and so make sure you do that. But are you guys ready to get into the Word tonight? Uh, let's... Okay, now I got to tell you something. We got a big room for you guys to fill up tonight, all right? So I, I, need, I, I need you guys to be with me because right now, right now, the voice I hear is my voice kicking back at me from the back of the wall coming back and hear me. So you guys need to be louder than that voice tonight. So are you ready to get to the word? All right, here we go. Turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, as we start our brand new series, The Contender. Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. Very familiar piece of scripture, and I'm excited about it. Are you ready? Here we go. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Let's say that one part all together, that last part. And I hold the keys of death, hell, 
and the grave. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you anoint our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, that we may be changed by the power of your word. For Lord, I thank you, Lord, that your word is a lamp upon our feet and light upon our path. But Lord, it transforms us, it changes us, it heals us. And so Lord, I pray, let your word change our lives or let your anointing, the work of your spirit, just increase even more in this moment in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. The title of my message, guess what it is? The title of my message is Death, Hell, and the Grave. What is the battle that Jesus fought? What is that, that which Jesus contended against is death, hell, and the grave? He was victorious over that which we were the most afraid of. What is, what is it that we're the most afraid of? It's not necessarily COVID. It's death, right? A lot of people don't want to catch COVID because it... <clears throat> The death that's attached to it, because that's what people are afraid of. So the very thing that has held people in captivity, which is death, which is hell and the power of hell, and the grave, which is the certainty of death, and and these things that have been our greatest captives, now Jesus says, I have victory over. I have victory over. I love love the phrase. Now, I'm not not, um, advocating or promoting this movie, okay? But there's a movie called Braveheart. I know none of you have seen it because you're all Christians. You love Jesus. No, I'm just, just, brought that was, that was BC days, Pastor, BC days. <laughs> BJ days, yeah, you know what I mean? It's uh, before Jesus. And, um, but there, he, William Wallace, William Wallace makes a statement. He says, all men die, but not all men truly live. I remember when I, heard, when I first heard that quote, I was like, wow, wow, that's revelation, wow. You know what I'm saying? Everybody with me? Like I was like, wow, my mind blown, right? But you know, the, the truth of the matter is that there's so much truth to that revelation. All men die, but not all men really live. But isn't this interesting that the issue and the idea of death can hold us captive from truly living? That the bondage of hell can actually hold us captive from truly living in the victory that God has ordained for us. See, if we're going to be victorious, we've got to deal with death, hell, and the grave. And we can't pretend that it doesn't exist, right? As Christians, we just want to ignore, well, hell doesn't really exist. We're going to pretend that hell doesn't exist. We're going to pretend that death doesn't exist. No, no, no. All men die. That's what the Bible says. Life is like a vapor. We're here one moment. We're gone the next. But it doesn't have to be that which we're captive to, that we're afraid of, that we're bound to. We can be victorious. So here in Revelation, let's look at Revelation chapter 1 and really extrapolate from this passage what John the Revelator. See, there's a man named John. He was actually the only man at the feet of Jesus when Jesus was on the cross. He's the one that Jesus spoke to that said, son, here's your mother, mother, here's your son. He was the only disciple. Out of all Jesus' followers, he was the only disciple that was actually at the cross, at the feet of Jesus. And here, John the Beloved actually gets boiled to death, but he doesn't die. <laughs> so they take him out and they send him to the island of Patmos, where now he's there, to left, he's left to die. And in this moment, he receives these incredible revelations from God. And this is the beginning of this revelation where now Jesus appears and Jesus makes a statement. Number one, he says, I am the living one. I want you to write this down. Jesus is the living one. 
Can we all say that together? Jesus is the living one. That word living one or that phrase really summed up is the word, is the Greek word zao, which means I am life. That's what, this is what it means. Jesus is not saying I lived. Jesus is not saying that I have life. Jesus is saying I am life. It's beyond just having life. It's, it's beyond just, oh, I lived, I used to be, it is, I am life. Therefore, now this is, why, this is why it's so important. Because when we understand who Jesus is, that he is more than just a living being, he is life itself, that means he can give life. You can't resuscitate someone if you're not alive. A dead person can't resuscitate another dead person. The only possible way that you can resuscitate someone is you have to have life. You have to have breath surging through your lungs. Jesus says this, I am life, therefore I can give life. The reason why this is so important for us to understand and get a true revelation is if, if we don't see Jesus for who he is, the source that he is, then we'll constantly go to other things for life. We'll constantly go to other things for significance. We'll go to other sources for joy and peace. We'll go to other sources for strength. You know, I, <clears throat> I was meeting with a young man probably about two months ago. And he, he so encouraged me because he said, Pastor, I, I got this incredible revelation. He said, Pastor, I used to wrap my, my identity and everything that I was around my relationship. And I would get rejected and I would have this relationship with this girl and then she would reject me and then, then, I'd, then this would happen or I'd go out on a date and I'd, I'd feel like it didn't really click and, and I had all these issues that I was battling with. And then all of a sudden in my devotion time with the Lord, Jesus spoke to me and said, I'm your everything. I'm your life. I'm your identity. I'm your source. He said, Pastor, it changed everything. Pastor, it changed everything. No longer do I have to depend upon somebody else. What they perceive of me, what they think of me, their opinion of me. That's why, can I be honest with you? That's why I don't really care what the whole island of Maui thinks about King's Cathedral. Because I don't find my identity from Instagram or Facebook or what is that, that other thing that, that people, what is that other thing that they, they great restaurants, great restaurants, what is that? Yelp. My identity is not defined by those things. But we've come now to a place in our generation where people now are finding the source of life, their identity, their joy, everything there on their phone, Instagram, Facebook, the internet, YouTube, Yelp. Pastor, what are we gonna do? Someone gave us a bad report or a bad rating. Oh, Pastor, we're no longer five stars, we're four and a half. Someone said, Pastor, that we're this or I'm that. Why are you so enamored? Why have you become so enamored with what people think about you? It's because we've replaced Christ as the source. 
where we draw life from. He's the giver of life. He doesn't just have life. He is life. Therefore, he can give life. See, John, John 14, 6. Look at John 14, 6. This is powerful. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, every single one of us were given the sentence of death. Every one of us was given the sentence of death because of sin. But because of what Jesus did on the cross and his death and his resurrection, now we can have life. So when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he is saying, I'm the only possible way that you can be forgiven, that the, the death sentence that is upon your life can be changed, and I can give you a life sentence versus a death sentence. He's the only one that has the ability to do that. Why? Because he was the lamb slain. Because he was the sacrificial, he was the one that took our place on the cross. So that's why you can't find salvation. You can't find eternity through Buddha or through Hinduism or other religions. And that's why we have to be careful that we identify Jesus as simply a religion. Why? Because he's not just a religion. He's not a religion. He is a way. There's not, there are no multiple paths that lead to heaven. There are no multiple paths of enlightenment that lead you to eternity because you, it's, Im it's impossible for you to find it because you have a death sentence. But because you believed upon Jesus, you now have life in him, life eternal, and life here abundantly. Listen to John 10.10. 10. What does it say? The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. The only way Jesus could say that is he had to be convinced that he was more than just alive. He is life. And those who make him his source of life shall have it more abundantly. I'm sorry, I get excited about this stuff because I realize something. There's a source that I draw my life, I draw life from, a source that I draw life from that never runs dry that doesn't have what I need, has more than what I need, has everything that I need, and in abundance. So it's, it's imperative, church, please hear me. It is imperative that we see Jesus more than just a good man, more than just a prophet. And people will argue this. Well, there's no place, there's no place in Scripture where Jesus says that he is the Savior, that he's the Messiah. We just saw three different points in Scripture where he said it plainly. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Revelation, the revelation that John the Revelator gets is Jesus saying, I am the risen one. I am he. I am life. How did Jesus defeat death, hell, and the grave? He gave his life to become life for us. He gave his life. Jesus is the living one. And because of what he did on the cross, we understand the next part of this passage in Revelation. Let's take a look back at it. 
What is it? Revelation chapter 1 verse 18. I am the living one. Let's all say it together. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am what? I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys. Everybody say, I hold the keys. So the statement now that is made that Jesus holds the keys, you say, Pastor, what, what does that mean? Does that mean necessarily that Jesus went down into the bowels of hell and he, he took the keys and he opened up all the prison doors and set all the captives free? What is being said in this passage that we see in Revelations when Jesus says, I hold the keys, those keys are emblems or symbols of two things. Are you ready? Write this down. They're symbols or an emblem of these two things. Number one, right. Let me give you an example. If you had a home, you had a key to that home. Your name was on the deed of that home, but it was debt free. So just imagine something that seems sometimes almost impossible here in Hawaii, right? Totally debt free home. You don't owe the bank a dime. You don't owe anybody any, any money. Totally debt free. Your name is on the deed of the house and you have a key. How silly, how asinine would it be for you to go knock on the door of your neighbor and be like, oh, excuse me, um, I just want to make sure it's okay. Can, can I enter my house? I just, I know, I know you're my neighbor, but I just, I really want to enter my, no, we wouldn't do that. Why? You have, you own the house. It's yours. You have right. Hello. Now this is what's interesting. It says that he has the key. He holds the key to death, hell, and the grave. You say, well, pastor, how, why? I don't understand why death, hell, and the grave. It's because this. The devil had rights to you. Because of disobedience, because of sin, the devil had rights to your life. But the work that Jesus did on the cross was a reversal, a reversal of rights. That means the right that the enemy had over your life. <laughs> Jesus says, oh, I'm so sorry. You no longer, demons, you no longer have rights over them. You no longer have sin rights. I'm reversing it. And now I have rights to their life. Think about how amazing that is. That now Jesus has taken away the rights of the demonic. He's taken away the rights that the enemy had to you. And now he has rights. That means now, instead of you having to pay penance to the enemy, having to live according to the sinful nature, you no longer have to do that. You can live according to the spirit because you've given the spirit rights. You've given salvation rights. So that's why Jesus says, I hold the key. I hold the rights to your life. Do you know what that means too? The second thing that we see, it's not just the first one rights, but the second one is ultimate authority. Everybody say it with me, ultimate what? The Greek word for authority is the word exousia, which, which means <laughs> an execution of authority. It means to exercise authority, not just positionally. Now hear me, it's not just positionally. 
where Jesus, Jesus now stands here and says, I'm the boss, you have to listen to me. Right? I'm at, I'm at Planet Fitness this morning. Nobody judge me. I'm at Planet Fitness this morning. You know, and they got signs everywhere. You're not allowed to judge people. Um, but yet they have, the, they have the hunk alarm or whatever it's called, the, the, the lunk alarm. What is it called up there? So that means if I, were a, if, I were a, if I carry a gallon bottle with me and I wear a tank top, they're going to judge me. Sorry, just the lunk alarm, right? I'm a little bitter, but I worked out there this morning anyways. And I'm, I'm scanning the gym. And as I'm scanning the gym, you notice something very interesting. You see these people that are lifting a lot of weight. They're strong, they're big, and they're, they're moving weight around. Now let me ask you a question. If someone came up to me that had spaghetti arms, anybody know what spaghetti arms are? That's judgmental. I know. I can't, I'm not allowed to work out at Planet Fitness. That's so judgmental. <laughs> Has spaghetti arms, right? And they came up to me and said, let me tell you how to get big and strong. What do you think I'd say to them? You need to stop smoking weed, okay? That's exact. <laughs> Crack is illegal. Stop it. That's exactly what I'd say. Anyways, but if a dude came up to me that just got done pressing 300, 400 pounds and came up to me and said, hey, I want, I want to show you how to get strong, what do you think I'd say? Yes, please. Yes, sir. Yes. Am I right? Why? Because it's not just that he stands in a gym so automatically I think that he knows what he's doing. It's because he's pressed the weight. He's strong. He has exercised his authority. Understand, with Jesus, he exercised his authority. How did he do that? He did that by hum humbling himself, going to a cross, not seeing himself as equal with God, but humbling himself, going to a cross, and therefore receiving the name that is above every name. In the name of Jesus, every demon in hell must bow. In the name of Jesus, every situation must bow. See, we carry authority. He has authority. The keys have been given to him. That means there is no devil in hell that has more authority than Jesus. There's no sickness that has more authority than Jesus. There's not a door in your life that if Jesus wants it unlocked, it can stay locked. You hear what I just said? We've got to understand that he is a God that has exercised authority and he, he doesn't just stand to intimidate. That's the devil. He moves. He has power. He has authority. And you know what's so remarkable about this? Is that he gives us those rights. And he gives us that authority. See, we're going to discover in the next three weeks. The next three weeks, we're going to discover more and more of this. We're going to go into the depth of the rights and the authority that we have through Jesus Christ. But as I close, I want you to see this third point. Everybody say, number one, he's the living one. Number two, he holds the keys. Number three, he is victorious. Not possibly, not maybe, not some of the time. He is victorious
Pastor, what if this thing takes me? Pastor, what if I die? See, in the past, death was the devil's victory. Did you hear what I said? In the past, death was the devil's victory. But now through Jesus, death is Christ's victory. Did you, you see how he turned that? Isn't that interesting? Because the devil's like, I hope you die. You're going to go to hell. And then I have you forever. Forever. Right? But Paul the apostle has this incredible revelation. He says to live is Christ and to die is gain. To be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. That means no matter what takes you, no matter what happens to you, you're victorious. Why? Because you're ever present with Jesus Christ. If my body dies, my spirit continues in all eternity. That means Jesus won the day. Second Corinthians chapter two. Sorry, not second Corinthians, we'll, we'll do that later. Let me skip that. Colossians chapter two. I got so much scripture here, but I can't read it all in one, in one sitting. Let me go to Colossians. Look at Colossians chapter two, verse 13. I'm so excited. Everybody say, he's victorious. Come on, someone say, he's victorious. <clears throat> Colossians chapter two, verse 13. And you, talking about you. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that, has, that was against you, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed, having disarmed, having straight up disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them through the cross. How does he do that? I want you to understand, look at the position that you had and now the position that you're in. Through Jesus Christ, yes, you, you, you were bound through sin and everything, you are bound, but through Jesus, you are free. Through Jesus, you have eternity in heaven. Through Jesus, you're victorious. It doesn't matter your old position. But pastor, but pastor, I got all these things, man, stacked against me. I got all this stuff. Can, can I tell you what's so amazing about Jesus having the keys? Did you know there's only one person in all the universe that could cast judgment upon you. You see, a judge, a judge, an earthly judge can cast a judgment on me, but guess what? It wouldn't be final. Even if I spent my, the rest of my life in prison, it wouldn't be final. Why? Because there's only one person that has all authority of where I spend my eternity. And what's so crazy is the devil can say all he wants. He can accuse me of this. He can accuse me of that. He can bring up past things against me. But see, the Bible says that I have an advocate. I have an advocate. I have someone that says, oh, devil, I'm so sorry. Those past things, those past issues that they struggled with, that's not who they are anymore. You no longer have a right to them through death. Now they've been justified. They've been redeemed. They're mine. I have rights to them. And, and this is what's awesome. Through Jesus, now the ultimate authority, the one who has authority over death in life for all eternity cast judgment on you and the judgment is forgiven 
So what's so powerful about this is when we understand the rights and the authority, we understand the victory that we have. That even though we may have a past, the ultimate judge says forgiven. The ultimate judge says healed. Ephesians chapter 1, and I close with this final passage. Ephesians 1, 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, his holy people, and the incomparable great power for us who believe. Can, can we just stop there for a moment? Can I tell you one of the, one of the greatest challenges all of us are going to face is the attempt of the enemy to blind you. You know what's, what's so unique is Paul the Apostle, before he was the most prolific author within Scripture and a powerful apostle, his name was Saul, and he was, he was so bound to his religion and what he believed that he truly believed that what he was doing was right in the eyes of God. Going around and killing Christians, he actually believed that it was right in the eyes of God. He was blinded. Friends, can I tell you, there is a world that is blinded by sin, a world blinded by selfishness, a world straight up blinded by the devil. But I got good news for you. Even in the midst of Saul's blindness, he saw a great light. Oh, if you get that in your spirit, if you get that in your spirit, that in any moment Jesus can shine in, Jesus can come in, and we can encounter him, and he can remove the blindness, remove the scales from our eyes. And, and this is what's wonderful, that in that his glory, his riches, his love, his love for us, his hope. Friends, now we can have a different point of view. We can be enlightened so that we can see who he is. We can see who we are in him. I believe that tonight our eyes are going to be open. I believe one of our greatest challenges is not just how we see Jesus, but how we see ourselves in him. It says that power, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted. Oh, there it is. When he raised Christ from the dead, and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things, not some things, not maybe a couple things. God placed, God placed every situation you go through, all things, every sickness that you have, all every problem that you're facing he placed all things not just spiritual things stop it weird christians that think jesus only did a spiritual work jesus did a complete work on all work he didn't just save your soul he heals your body he heals your mind if look 
Why in the world would Jesus waste his time healing people in a valley? Why in the world would it say in scripture that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up every wound? That one of his main goals in his ministry was to set the captives free if all he did was give us salvation and save us from hell. No, it's all things. Church, you got to get that in your spirit. Those who are watching, get that in your spirit. All things. There is nothing in this galaxy. Aliens included. Spock included. There's nothing in this universe that is not subject to the name, the authority, and the power of Jesus. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body. Now, this is scary. Can I tell you? This is crazy. This is crazy. This is a mess. Every time I read this, I kind of freak out a little bit because I'm like, really? Really, Jesus? Listen to what he says. He's got all this power, all this authority, all this victory. And then he says, which, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way, the church. He has given everything he did on the cross, the life that he has, the rights, the authority, the victory. Do you know who he gave it to? He didn't take it. Can I tell you? He didn't take it and go, oh, I'm just going to take this to heaven. Sorry, guys. For the next 2,000 years, you're not going to have any of it. I'm, I've, I've got to lock it away in the closets of heaven. No. The church. The church. You. You have life. You have right. You have authority. You have victory because Jesus has victory over death, hell, and the grave. And the work he did on the cross, he didn't do just for a name. He did it for the church. And he gave us his name. And he gave us position. And he gave you victory. Church, you got to rise. You are victorious, the church, the victorious, mighty, powerful church. It's time to start being who we are. I'm not saying you need to be mean and ornery, but you need to be victorious. Stop giving the devil too much credence. Come on. He doesn't deserve all the acknowledgement you give him because he's already been defeated. You have life. You have right, you have authority, and you have victory. You have life, you have right, you have authority, and you have victory. Let's walk in it. I'm, I, can I just challenge you this week? I just want to walk in it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that boxing glove this week. And when my mind start messing with me, I, I'm really not going to do this, but I'm just in my mind. Just be careful that you hit yourself with a boxing glove, not the key. Right. Call the hospital. I want this glove, as cliche as it may be, I want this glove to be a reminder of the life you have, the rights you have, the authority you have, and the victory you have. There is no devil in hell that can steal the destiny and the purpose and the call of God on your life. There's no situation or circumstance that is greater than the name of Jesus. Get it in your spirit. Let's live it. Let's walk it. Everybody stand to your feet tonight. Come on. I hope the word encouraged you. Thank you so much for joining us here on the King Central Podcast. God bless you. 
walk in power and walk in the fullness of that which God has given you.